Welcome to the GARCast with Cindy Bear, partner with GAR Associates, now celebrating 60 years of providing local governments with unparalleled real estate appraisal consulting. Cindy has been supporting towns and cities across New York State for more than 30 years. The GARCast provides New York property owners with important information about the real property assessment process. And now, here's Cindy. Well, welcome today. We have Dave Morano, the assessor for the town of Amherst and the city of Tonawanda in Erie County. And Dave has, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but over 12 years of experience as in the assessment field. Actually, um, 14. Actually, 14. Oh, well, there, there you go. 14 years. Holy moly. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we, I appreciate you coming on. Today, we're going to talk about, you know, a very important topic. It's very timely, which is challenging your property assessment. And I'd like to first focus on residential type of property challenge and then move on to commercial type. Uh, right. Dave, Dave, as you know, you know, New York State Real Property Tax Law Section 514 says the assessor's value is considered correct and the burden of proof is on the property owner to prove otherwise. That is true, correct? Yeah, it, it really is. You know, I, I will say it doesn't always, uh, when property owners come to speak to us, it doesn't always work that way um, because many of them assume us to be wrong um, when they come in. But yeah, that is how it, the process should work. Great. Well, let me first ask you, what is the number one complaint that assessors are faced with from a property owner regarding their assessment? You know, absolutely, it's the taxes. You know, a lot of people, uh, when they come and see the assessor, uh, and probably more than 50%, is they come and their comment is, I need to speak to you about my taxes. And, you know, as we try to explain and educate them, that is not what we do. You know, assessor's job is to set a fair market value on your property so that you pay your fair share of the appropriate municipalities tax levy. Um, that's our goal. The, the easiest way that I've tried to explain it to people is the tax levy, which is set by the town, the school, the county, or the village, that's a pie, okay, that's a big pie. My job is to fairly split up the pie, but I have nothing to do with the size of the pie. And you know that is a big concern that many folks come to us on saying, I can either lower my taxes and, you know, that part I can't help you with. Now, if I have you assessed at a number that's not representative market value, so you're paying a little too much of that pie, then that's certainly where you should come. But you really should focus on value, the value we have, not the taxes associated with that value. I totally agree. Um, what would you say would be the first step a property owner needs to do, a residential property owner, when considering a challenge to their property assessment? You know, the, the very first step should always be is take a look at your tax bill or the, the municipality's website and see what your assessment is. And if it's if you're in a, a town that's not at 100 percent, equalize it out to the full market value. And that, I think, is important because that is the number that full market value is the number that we believe your property to be worth. So you want to first establish that number. And that's, that's it takes a little more work if you're in a municipality that's not at 100%. And then with that, what you wanna look at is how have properties sold that are, I use the acronym SSAN, that are similar size, style, age, and neighborhood, usually over a 12 to 18 month period. Because 
that's what's going to determine your market value. Those similar homes that are the same size of yours, similar style, similar age, similar neighborhood that have sold, and those values are ultimately going to determine your values. Now, a lot of that information can be gleaned from the municipal websites that many of us have uh, where we list sales and all those kind of things. If you don't have it, if your municipality doesn't have that, you can look at things like a, a Zillow or those kind of things. You'll be able to look at some sales information. It's certainly not as accurate as your, your government's municipal website, but some municipalities don't have that website. But that's really what you're focused on. Hey, the town says I'm worth 200000 How have similar homes of similar size, style, age, and neighborhood sold? And you may find that they're all selling for 210 to 220 or you may find they're selling for 160 to 180 And if it's the latter, that's when you certainly want to go see the assessor. Agreed. Um, it, let's talk about Zillow for a minute because everybody gets hung up on using Zillow. And, um, you know, is that data, do you feel that data is accurate on Zillow? Well, I, I, I will say in some cases, you know, is if they're reporting a sale price, you know, that's a hard number and it should be accurate. But a lot of their estimates that they, I think they use the term estimate, their Zillow estimate, you know, that's their opinion based on the data they have. And again, in some municipalities, they don't have the ability to look at the municipality's website for that information. So what I will say is that it's a guidance. Uh, it's not overly accurate, but in some cases, it may be all you have to look at other sales. I would say if, you, if your municipality doesn't have a website, plan B should be perhaps a visit to that assessor's office. Um, you know, when COVID restrictions allow, and that would allow you to, many assessors then will have a book of sales, of actual hard sales uh, that they have in their neighborhoods. Some people, some assessors also put that on the website, but, you know, I would rely on that data first before I ever went to a Zillow site. Dave, does your office, both in the city and, and the town, offer an informal review period every year, or do they yeah, have to write to the board? Yeah, we, do, we do, city. We think it's important. Um, so basically, from about mid-March to about the first week of April, we have informal assessment reviews. And what the informal assessment review is allows you, as the property owner, to talk directly to the assessor or maybe someone from whose staff is assigned and review the prop, review your assessment, but without the requirements of some of the state forms, I know we'll talk about a little bit later. So we do, many assessors do. Now it's not a legal requirement that you offer it, but I certainly recommend it. Um, it's the ability for me to be able to, be able to look at your property, look at specifics. It's opportunity for you to talk directly to the assessor or staff without the you know, all the forms that are required for the Board of Assessment Review. So we do, and I, I would always recommend to assessors that they do, but some don't. And, you know, that's their personal choice. What types of uh, documentation would you have a residential property owner bring to you on an informal? Well, first of all, you want to bring as a, as a property owner information on those those SSAN sales, those sales of similar size, style, age, and neighborhood, because you want to bring that because that's going to be your proof. You can say, hey, here's five houses that have sold 
recently in the land. Again, 12 to 18 months is a good window, maybe a little further in a smaller community where you don't have as many sales. And they are similar to my house, and they've sold for, like I said earlier, 160 to 180, and I'm assessed at 200. That is your proof. You're saying, hey, listen, Mr. or Mrs. Assessor, I've got proof of these properties that they're selling for less than me. So that's probably the number one thing you want to have. Now, if your issue is a condition, so maybe it's not necessarily other sizes or other sales of similar properties, but it's condition. The second thing you'd want to have is proof of that condition issue. Now, that would be the best way to do it is to let the assessor do an interior inspection. Now, you certainly can bring photographs, but quite frankly, I like to put eyes on. So if you've got issues in your home, maybe it's a major foundation problem, maybe it's a major structural issue. Now, it's not just, hey, I need to paint the family room. You know, that's a quick fix. But we're talking about major structural issues that would impact your value. Let the assessor take a look at it. Maybe you've got some estimates from a, a company that does that kind of work. Say, hey, listen, I've got a basement that's cracked and in need of $50,000 worth of repair work. So, you know, sales certainly is one way if you're arguing that, but if you have a condition issue, support, whether it be allowing the inspect the assessor to make an interior inspection, which legally you're not obligated to do that, but it is recommended if you've got that issue or proof of, of, of those issues through estimates or whatever. Those are the two most important that you can bring to the assessor. Third thing, certainly, if you've recently refinanced the house and you've got an appraisal uh, from uh, the bank as part of the refi or whatever, providing that information. I know I give a lot of credibility to uh, an appraisal because it's done by a state licensed appraiser and I trust that work. So I'm not saying you should go and get one because there's cost, but if you've recently had one done, the banks can make them available to you and it's a good, uh, a good resource to bring into them. The whole thing is you want to bring things that support your case because you go back to the original discussion my value is assumed correct. The onus is the property owner to prove me wrong. Right. Uh, just reminding our, our listeners that today our guest is Dave Moreno, town of Amherst and city of Tonawanda assessor. And we're grateful he's joining us today. We're talking about challenging your assessment. Now, after someone files an informal re review with you, do they get notified if you're going to make a change? They do one of two ways. Um, if we do make a change, one of the requirements of our uh, systems is uh, by, by May 10th, prior to 10 of the roll, we have to issue a correction or excuse me, a change of assessment notice. So if there is a change, they would be notified uh, by on the state form. It's a 510 form, which says, hey, your assessment was at 200. We've lowered you to 180. We also in Amherst, if we don't make a change, we'll send you a letter saying, We've reviewed your data, a change was not made, and then give them the information if they want to go to the next step, which would be the Board of Assessor Review. But we do make it aware. And lastly, you can always look on the on that municipal website because by law we have to post our tentative role. So if the assessor didn't communicate to you, you can always check there. But we try to communicate either through the formal change of assessment notice or just a letter from our office saying there was no change. Um. Can, can you raise an assessment, Dave? If someone comes into you with an informal and you found inventory that wasn't there um, or that it was 
not assessed correctly. I mean, I know sometimes property owners will say, well, I'm not going to challenge this because you're going to, you could, you could end up raising my assessment. Those cases are rare, but if an inventory issue was, and again, not a condition issue, whatever, but I'll give you an example. We have you in our system as a thousand square foot ranch. You come in to challenge your assessment and we find out that you're a 2,500 square foot colonial. Okay. In those, and those are a rarity, certainly, but in those cases, we could, because the inventory is incorrect, drastically incorrect, we could reevaluate your property. The law allows us to do that. Those cases are incredibly rare. In most cases, we can't, you know, if you come in and I got you at one bath and you're a bath and a half, nothing's going to happen. If your condition is a lot better than what I have, but the value, the inventory is not, we're not going to uh, change it. So rare, 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 but the law would allow in a very rare case, the ability to do it if we had a significant inventory or usage uh, problem. Now, if a property owner isn't satisfied, whether you reduced it, but they felt, you know, it should have been reduced more or you decided that, you know, a change wasn't warranted, what's the next step for them? And then, you know, we can go into that process. Yeah, the next step would be the Board of Assessment Review. So the Board of Assessment Review, the, those dates can vary uh, mo it, for the most part in Erie County, but not in the city of Buffalo. The hearing is the fourth Tuesday in May. I would always suggest to talk to your local assessor to make sure because some go like in the city of Tonawanda, we're the fourth Wednesday in May. Some communities, it's the first Tuesday in June. But the formal Board of Assessment Review would be your next step. And it's very important to know that by going for an informal, you're not forfeiting any of those rights, even if I lower you. So let's say you're at 200 and we do an informal and I lower you to 190, but you still think your value is 160, you can still go to the next step. You have not forfeited that right. But now instead of challenging 200 to 160, you're going to be challenging the new number of 190 to 160. Great. Okay, um, before moving on, I just want to remind our guests, we have uh, Dave Morano here with uh, the assessor from the town of Amherst and the city of Tonawanda in Erie County. And um, next, I'd like to go on to the formal Board of Assessment Review Challenge for a residential property owner. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit. So Dave, what is the first step? They, you know, maybe they didn't do an informal, maybe they did, um, but, you know, what's involved with, you know, challenging in front of the and who is the board assessment review in, in each community let's go first for, as far as the process the first thing i would recommend to all property owners is certainly reach out to your local assessor after may 1st to kind of get some of the details now we put everything uh fully loaded our website with all the data but you know whether you're looking at the town's website calling the assessor you want to follow up on what their process will be. Obviously, it changed a little bit last year because we couldn't do a lot of in-person. But the process is every community has to have a Board of Assessment Review date. So I'll use Amherst as my example. The Amherst example is it's the fourth Tuesday in May. And the process is this. We start around the second week of May taking appointments. Now, while an appointment is not necessary, okay, it is highly recommended if you want to have a face-to-face -face hearing with the board. Feel that you are better off presenting your case face-to-face. -face. 
you'll want to set up an appointment. But it's very important to know it's, it's not mandatory. And what will happen is you want to set that appointment uh, to go see the board. You call the assessor's office. You set the appointment. And then when you go to that appointment, you would bring a lot of the stuff we just talked about on the informal, whether it be sales comps, condition pictures, uh, recent uh, appraisals done for refi, but a very important document called the RP 524. The RP 524 is the state form that must be submitted where you can either submit it ahead of time or bring it to your appointment. But that is the form that you must have filled out. If you don't, you're, you're basically your hearing is not heard, right? Now, you can fill it out there. At our hearings, we have blanks for people to fill out. But those are very important. So if you want to have an appointment, if you feel I want to present this face-to-face, -face, you want to call that assessor's office and see how you can set one up. We have a designated person that does that. You want to then get your information prepared. Um, and we actually have some forms that we help people with that they can use. You can take them our, our, our website. But you must have that RP 524 preferably filled out before you get there. If you're not sure about it, bring it because that's very important because you're putting in what your value is and what you'd like it to go to. And that's a very important document. My boards make sure that people have it filled out properly and will assist you in doing it, but that's important. Now, if you don't feel you need an appointment and you want to just um, drop off your information, um, your process is fairly similar, but again, it's critically important that you have that RP 524. Now, Timing is important. When we publish a legal notice, we say when our board is going to meet. So, for example, my board meets on uh, the fourth Tuesday in May, and they meet from basically 9 to 4.30, and then from 6 to 8 p.m. Now, generally, those are for people who have appointments, all right? Or if you're going to drop off information, it's critically important that at the end of that session, by 8 p.m. on that day, that you've dropped your information off. Now, the third thing is you can just walk in while the board is meeting. It's an open meeting. Doors are open. There's no, uh, you know, whatever. Just realize that if you don't have an appointment, you could sit and wait. Now, the board, if you're there by 8 p.m., has to see you, but they're going to see the people who schedule an appointment. So I always recommend to people, if you want to see them face-to-face, -face, schedule the appointment. It's just better for everybody's timing, and you know, you're, not, you're not wasting your time, and and they have the appropriate time to see it. So, but an appointment is not required. You can just do a drop-off, whether it be a drop-off prior to the board meeting or a drop-off the day of, but it's critically important that if you are doing a drop-off, the board needs to have it by whatever their, their last time, that in my case, it's 8 p.m., it varies by municipality. Steve, do they need to have a formal appraisal? Um, no. No, and I would, I would always recommend not to do that ahead of time. If you have an appraisal that was done for, whether maybe an estate, maybe it was a marital issue that needed uh, to be, the property needed to be split, maybe it's a recent refinancing, certainly bring that if it supports your case. But I wouldn't recommend to go and do that ahead of time because there's a cost involved. And, you know, I, I would say when we talk a little later in, the, in our podcast here, or our guard cast, excuse me, um, that, you know, we'll talk, uh, you know, when you might want to do that for the next steps, but not for this step, you know, it's not recommended. 
great. But it can be done if you feel you want to do that. How, how, you know, last year was challenging for everybody. And, you know, I don't want to predict how this year is going to go, but, you know, you had to change gears a little bit with the pandemic. And, you know, how did you handle those, those formal grievance appointments? With- yes. So last year, those who wanted to do a face-to-face, we did via Zoom. So we had a Zoom, uh, a Zoom set up uh, in, our, in our meeting room. Uh, people could call in at a certain time. We would Zoom them in um, and uh, go from there. At this point this year, and, and I know other assessors did that because for some folks, they still like to be able to talk with them. Some people didn't do it via Zoom, and we just, they said, hey, I'm going to call at uh, 10 a.m., and we put the speakerphone on, and they could present their stuff. Now, if you're going to do that, it's important that the board have your information prior because we had some people who did that but didn't send us anything. And, you know, they said, well, I'm going to drop it off later. Well, you know, that's if you, you know, if you're going to do it that method or if your municipality is going to still do it via Zoom, at this point this year, we are not in Amherst or the city of Tonawanda. We feel we got the proper rooms with the appropriate social distancing to do it face to face. But make sure you get your stuff to that board ahead of time because you want them to be able to look at your supporting documents while you're presenting your case. Um, but that was how we did it last year. And I'm hoping that we, Never have to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I think, I, think, I think for the property owners, it was a detriment because it was just more difficult to present your case. And a lot of them didn't give us their support ahead of time. They sent their 524 and it just it wasn't as productive for them. I think for, we, we like the face-to-face if that's the way you want to go. And this year, we think we got the appropriate setup to do it. That's great. Um, how about... Can you tell us a little bit about the makeup of the board of review? Uh, yeah. It varies, the, I know, in each municipality, but. Yeah, the board of assessment review is made up of residents of your community who have an interest in serving on that on the board. And so they're appointed by the town board. They're not appointed by the assessor. The town board appoints them. They, If they're permanent members, they serve a five-year term, and they receive training uh, that's put on by a combination of New York State and Erie County that trains them on the process and what have you. Many of them do have a real estate background, but it is not required. So in the town of Amherst, we have people who have a real estate background. They're active agents within the, the area, which is outstanding. They know the market very well, but it's not a requirement. Um, we also have, uh, in the city of Tonawanda, I have um, one person with a real estate background, I have a retired police officer, I have a, a county employee, I have a retired county employee, um, I have a, a, you know, but they know the, the area, they know the market. But they receive training um, from the state. Uh, I do a pre-meeting with them ahead of time. They're residents of the community, and the beauty of this process is you're, you as a property owner are presenting to them and it's their decision. So like, I've already had my shot at it, whether it be informal or the initial value, you're now presenting to this group of your peers, people from your community, and if they think it should be 160, even though I thought 190, you get lowered. So what's nice is you're presenting to a fresh set of eyes while the assessor or his staff is at that session, final call goes with the Board of Assessment Review. So you're getting the opportunity to have a fresh set of eyes look at your thing and they may look at it differently than we did. 
And you you can't change that. If the board makes a decision, you you have to stick with that. That's the decision for the final role. And that that value stays, stays in place until till when, Dave? Can you change that the next year? Well, you could, but you better have a very good reason. So a board of assessor and review decision is good for just one year. Um, if you're not doing updates in the following years, um, you know, you better have a very valid reason. Now, sometimes when the reductions, some of the decisions that the board will make will be a partial. So under a partial, you get the reduction. So let's just use our schedule here. So if somebody challenges their assessment and the board agrees that 160 is the number for that 21-22 tax cycle, the September school bill in 21, the town and county bill in January of 22, and if you're in a village, that May or June village bill is based on that 160. Now, if I'm giving you a partial, or if the board's giving you a partial reduction, whether it be we do it informally or through the board, because maybe a condition, maybe you bought a house and you've gutted it and you're flipping it, but on you know uh, March 1st, which is taxable status date, it was just down to studs. In those cases, we're more apt to relook at it, but everybody knows going in, you were given a one-year partial, and we're going to look at it again in March of the following year to see if the condition has changed. But you really won't see a lot of changes. Uh, I respect my board's decision. Um, so unless it's really a condition issue, rarely would the assessor change it uh, in the following year. And will the board notify uh, the property owner that, that brought a challenge, whether they were changed or not by the board? And That's by when will they get that? So what happens, it's the determination, the RP525 is the form. And that generally goes out um, usually by no later than the last week of June. And it'll tell you if you were changed or not changed. So one of the things with the Board of Assessment Review is even if they don't change you, they have to notify you. And that notification comes to you in a, uh, in the, through the U.S. mail. And it'll say, hey, you were assessed at 190. We've lowered you to 160. Or it'll also list no change. And if in Amherst, we attach a second letter, if it's a partial for condition or whatever, so they know that yes, you're being reduced, but it's a one year reduction and that we will revisit it next year if the condition has changed. Can the board lower them for more than they asked for? No, so that's why that 524 form is so important. If that, on that one of the four pieces you fill in on that form is what you think your market value and your subsequent assessment should be if you're not in hundred percent market. So they can't go any lower than that. Now, some people will put, you know, hey, I'm assessed at 200. I'd like to be lowered to a hundred dollars, um, but you can do that. You know, but if you, if you put, if you think you're worth 160, you know, make sure that that's the number you have in there because if you put 180, they can't go any lower than what you ask for on that 524 form. So that's why it's important. There are instructions in the in, on our website and most the state website of how to fill that form in. Um, and a lot of the Board of Assessor Reviews will assist you to make sure that, I know our chairman goes through that document to make sure everybody's, we know we're not trying, we want to make sure you understand it and we're not trying to pull a fast one per se. You know, we want to make sure that you have the right information. That's great. Um, before we go on, we we're talking with Dave Morano today, the assessor for the town of Amherst and the city of Tonawanda in Erie County, New York. 
we're going to move on to the next step. If, if a property owner is not satisfied with the Board of Assessment Review decision, what is that next step for a residential property owner? So generally the next step is called Small Claims Assessment Review or SCAR. And I'll use that acronym as we're talking here. So let's go back to our, our calendar. We just, it's late June. We get a calendar, we get, or we get the determination and the determination says you're at 200 and you wanted 160 and the Board of Assessment Review did not reduce you. Or they reduced you to 190, but you don't like that number. Your next step is to file what's called a small claims assessment review challenge. Now, that is a challenge that is filed with a variety of people. And really, I'm just kind of part of the process as the assessor because you're filing with the county clerk, you're filing with the school, you're filing with the town clerk, you're filing with the assessor because you're in essence now initiating, I don't want to say it's a court challenge, but it's a legal challenge that has some additional guidelines. And most importantly is those challenges are set up by the New York State court system and then given to hearing officers who are not judges, in many cases they're attorneys, but they schedule a small claims assessment review. Now what's an important date? 30 days after the roll goes final, you have to have that filing in. So the roll goes final on generally July 1, you must file by July 30 that SCAR piece. Now again, I'm just kind of a, a cog in that because it's more important that you get it filed with the county clerk and everything so it can get through the system and get scheduled. But that would be your next step. Now, conceptually, you're basically going to be doing the same thing. You're going to get a hearing date assigned by the court. Again, it's not a court, not like you're going to the courts or whatever. They're all done by attorneys. And you're basically going to bring the same information that you brought along the lines, okay? You must have, you know, why you think you're overassessed, whether it be comparable sales, condition issues, or whatever it may be, and you're going to present that to the hearing officer. I or someone from my staff is there to represent the town, and we present our case, and then the hearing officer makes a decision that we're bound by. Um, critically important, in order to file a SCAR, you must have gone through the process through the Board of Assessment Review. So if you, for example, didn't do the Board of Assessor Review, but now it's mid-July and you want to file a SCAR, you cannot. You must have filed that Board of Assessor Review uh, filing and got a decision from the board in order to move on to the next step. And that would be the Small Claims Assessor Review. You can uh, go into the state court system and there's one form and the number escapes me, but it's the form you need to fill out and then you got to send it to a variety of people Again, the, the county clerk, the uh, town clerk, the assessor, the school district, and uh, to get into the queue so you can then get this hearing set up. Some large residential properties will go to an Article 7, which I know we're going to talk about in a little, little bit. Um, that's high-end things. Um, you know, it's going to cost you a little bit more. You do need an attorney because it's a formal uh, challenge within the court system. And I would say if I get, if I've had a hundred residential challenges in the last, you know, number of years, uh, maybe five went to article seven and 95 went through the SCAR process. 
But the scar process is the easier process. It's less costly and um, a little more user-friendly than, you know, hiring an attorney and those kind of things. Where could property owners go to get more information on the SCAR process? If you go to the New York State Uniform Unified Court System and just uh, put in small claims assessment review, that would give you all the details on the process, the forms, and what have you. Those are all there. Great. And one final thought on the assessment challenge. What, what would you want property owners to remember when they're deciding whether to seek, you know, an informal, a, you know, a, a formal grievance, and even moving on to, um, you know, a, a small claims? And, you know, can a property owner do this every year if they'd like? Um, you can do it every year. Um, but if there's one main thing I would say is focus on your value. You know, a lot of folks will come in and they look at their neighbor's assessments. They'll look at the tax bill associated with their assessment. And, you know, you want to focus on one key thing. The town says I'm worth this, 200000 I think I'm worth one sixty. Focus on your value because at the end of the day, that's what we're charged in the main mission of my job is to put a fair market value on your property. So that's what you really want to focus on. You look looking at other people's assessments is not a good methodology. Certainly saying, Hey, my taxes are too high. Well, you know, unfortunately, if you have a home in the town of Amherst, that's assessed at $300,000, your gross tax bill is about, you know, $9,000 to $9,200, all right, between town, county, and school taxes. I don't control that part. I want to make sure that that $300,000 is correct. So value, value, value. That's really what you want to focus on um, to try and prove your case. And can you challenge it every year? Um, you can unless you've got a SCAR decision. So if you have a SCAR decision, that decision lasts for two years. But if you get a decision from the Board of Assessment Review, um, and you want to come in every year because you don't like their decision or things change, you certainly have a right to do that. Great. And I, I just want to uh, have you explain to our listeners your acronym of SSAN. I think that's a very good point to remember when trying to compare properties. So when you compare properties, the first S is size. You want to look at properties that are similar sizes of yours. The second S is style you want to look at properties that are similar style. So let's just stop for a second. If I have a thousand square foot ranch, I want to look at sales of comparable ranches that are maybe, you know, 900 to 1100 square feet. The A is age. So if I have a 1950 built ranch, I want to look at ranches in that window. I don't want to look at a ranch that was built in, or if I have a 2010 ranch, don't come in with a 1950s range, right? And then N is neighborhood. And that's important because a lot of folks, they, they, they look at their street, right? And we break up, as most assessors do, the town in neighborhoods. And neighborhoods would be like Snyder is a neighborhood, Williamsville is a neighborhood, Egridsville, East Amherst or whatever. So we just don't look at your street, but we look at houses within your neighborhood. So you're going to look at, you know, again, if you live in Snyder, for example, uh, which for those of you who aren't from the Am or Western New York is in the south 
west corner of the town. You don't want to be looking at East Amherst, which is, you know, 10 miles away. You want to focus on properties that are within your neighborhood. So that's something that's important as you search those websites, as you search whatever thing is, you know, look at, say, where's my, my, you know, take your property and say, I have a thousand square foot ranch built in 1960 and I'm in the Snyder neighborhood. And when you're looking at comparable sales, they should all be able to fall into that window. Now, maybe not the exact size, um, but within plus or minus five or 10%. And that's important. Great. Thanks, Dave. I've been talking with Dave Morano, assessor for the town of Amherst and the city of Tonawanda. And our conversation will continue on the next GARCAST when we talk about challenging a commercial property assessment, the board of assessment review process, the um, Article 7 challenge process. And uh, we look forward to that conversation. So uh, stay tuned for the uh, conversation on a commercial property assessment. Thank you, Cindy. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the GARCAST with Cindy Bear of GAR Associates, committed to a level of performance that enables our clients to meet the needs of their clients. For more information, visit garappraisal.com. That's garappraisal.com. And join Cindy Bear for the next edition of the GARCAST.